Well, howdy, Pastor Landon here, and it is time for Real Men. We wanted to welcome all you men to this channel. We are so thankful you're joining with us tonight. Um, something really cool that I want to let you guys know about. We have churches all over the country that are tuning in with us right now, watching this service together. Um, and we're thankful for all of them. We're thankful for churches that believe in men being equipped because that's what we're all about. If you guys want more resources on manhood, feel free to text MEN to 99383 and we will shoot you over some awesome resources on how to be a better man, uh, maybe even an exclusive talk. Uh, so guys, thank you again for joining us today. We put out this content for you guys. So this sermon is gonna be awesome. If you're a pastor across the country and you wanna come join us, a senior pastor that wants to come join us and check out Real Men, uh, we'd love to meet with you, have you come out, tour you around the church and show you the secret sauce that makes Real Men work. We've got 300 to 400 men gathering every single week here at Trinity Church and um, they meet around tables, they discuss, they pray for each other. It is absolutely epic and we hear tons of good Bible teaching from Pastor Mark. Uh, one of my favorite moments is 350 men gathered together, arms raised, worshiping Jesus. It is awesome, guys. Um, and if you just want to come visit with your men's group, come on out. We'd love to see you. Uh, real men. Scottsdale is in a terrible place to be in the winter. Um, it's only like 75 and sunny all the time. So guys, come on out. Uh, with that, it's sermon time. Get ready. as our symbol of faith. It was the most shameful, painful, and dishonorable way to die. Crucifixion is ultimately state-sponsored terror. Bleeding, sweating, urinating, defecating, screaming, and dying. This was the ancient world, and this was the way of ancient crucifixion. For us to fully appreciate and to also reap the benefits of the death of Jesus, we need to understand not just that he died, or how he died, but in fact, why he died. Amen. Hey, welcome to Real Men. Can we welcome the new guys? We are 
honored to have any of you new guys with us. You're in the best place with the best guys. We're here to build men up, to bless women and children. My name's Pastor Mark, and I freaking love you guys. I look forward to seeing you every single week, every Wednesday, I shouldn't tell you this, I go home, I eat nachos, I drink whiskey, and I'm up late because I'm so excited. Um, and and, and I, I'm not saying you should. You should pray about doing the same. Just something, just something to pray about. So I am so excited to be with you guys. We've been in this four-part series looking at uh, the life of Elijah. How many of you guys loving getting to know the dude of dudes, Elijah? Amen? All right. So this is our last meeting for the semester. We've got Easter coming up. Right before Easter, you saw the trailer. Good Friday is going to be an online experience. We've got a documentary talking about the death of Jesus. Pray, I'm hoping we get it to 10 million people. That's what I'm hoping and praying for. And, uh, and I just wanna thank you guys for what an incredible semester and I'm excited to teach tonight. And if you wanna catch up or maybe you're just joining us, we're in this series on Elijah, 1 Kings 16 through 2 Kings chapter two. There's a full study guide at realfaith.com or in the back. But here's the big idea. And we're gonna summarize this today, overcoming the Ahab and Jezebel spirit. So here's kind of been our thesis. In the ancient world of Israel, there was Ahab, this passive king, and Jezebel, his beautiful but evil wife, and she's very controlling. These are not just ancient people. We've established the idea that there were spirits, demons working in and through them. Against them was a man named Elijah. He's the man of God. He doesn't work by the Ahab spirit or the Jezebel spirit, but by the Holy Spirit. And he's the man of God who stands up against all of this evil and corruption and says what needs to be said and does what needs to be done. And our belief is that these same spirits continue working in our day. The Ahab spirit causes men and or women to be very passive and very tolerant. In addition, the Jezebel spirit is very controlling, very domineering, very overbearing, very threatening, and sometimes very seducing. The, uh, the spirit of God that works in and through Elijah allows us to be courageous and assertive, to do and to say what needs to be said and done. That being said, I'm gonna jump right in and we're gonna look at levels of demonic influence. And there's three basic levels. The first is possessed. This is the counterfeit of being spirit-filled. Everything God creates, Satan tries to counterfeit. When you're filled by the spirit, the counterfeit is being demon-possessed. This is where someone's personality and the demonic spirit, it's indistinguishable. These are people that sometimes will be diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, used to be called multiple personality disorder. Sometimes they're hearing voices telling them to do horrific and really uh, dangerous and damnable things. And, uh, and these are people that tend to have sort of almost a superhuman resilience and strength and, and they don't apologize, they don't repent, they're never wrong, they always do harm and they're all about control. Uh, that's possession. There are times where Jesus deals with people who are possessed and then there is oppressed. Possession is where evil gets in you. Oppression is where evil comes on you. And uh, we see this, for example, in the life of Elijah. You're gonna see it uh, this weekend at church. Uh, he has this showdown in 1 Kings 18 with the prophets of Baal. 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah. Fire comes down from heaven, nukes everybody. It's literally, it's, it's literally a nuclear strike from Jesus to a bunch of cult leaders. And it's awesome, okay? And, uh, 
And if, if you're a pacifist, we're gonna fix that. We'll see you this weekend. We're more the pass the fist guys. Just so you know, that's kind of our team. So, so what God does, God sends a nuclear strike. Elijah sees the power of God fall in an incredible way. And then in the next chapter, Jezebel says within 24 hours, she puts a bounty on his head that she's gonna kill him. He, he runs for a hundred miles to avoid what he is fearful of. He's a man of faith, but he has a moment of fear. He goes into the wilderness and he lays down. He says, I just wanna die. It's because he's oppressed. He's a godly man, but he is oppressed by a demonic spirit. It, it causes him to be anxious, to be fearful. Counselors would say he's being uh, dysregulated. He's not himself. He's, he's, he's not doing good physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. He's just breaking. And God doesn't rebuke him, God restores him. God takes 40 days and feeds him and encourages him and protects him and blesses him. Because he's a good man, he's just having a bad day. He's filled with the spirit, but he's oppressed by other spirits and they are exhausting and overwhelming him. Some of you have had this, you're like, man, my mind wasn't right, my heart wasn't right, I didn't feel like myself, I was governed by fear and anxiety and worry and I couldn't sleep and I just wanted to die. Well, you may even be a man of God. You just may be undergoing oppression like Elijah did. And then number three, there are tendencies. And this is not that the demonic is in you or on you, you just have some bad habits or some patterns and tendencies that you tend to fall into. Some people are not Ahab, but their default, if they're not careful, is just to be passive and quiet and, and tolerant and, and not to have any conflict. Some people, their tendency, if they don't watch it, is to be controlling, overbearing, domineering. And so you just gotta pay attention. Is this more a tendency that I have? Uh, there's a guy in the story of Elijah, his name is Obadiah. It's not the same Obadiah that a book of the Bible is named after, but he's a genuine man of God, he loves the Lord. And, uh, and he is hiding a hundred prophets in the caves. He's feeding them and he's protecting them so that there are still some Bible teachers left. They're always trying to kill the Bible teachers, by the way. Some, new day, same demons trying to cancel and deplatform and crucify. That's what cancel culture is, the Bible teachers. So Obadiah, he protects a hundred of them and he encounters Elijah. And Elijah says, I need you to go to Ahab, the king and deliver a message. Obadiah, passive, fearful. I don't wanna do that. The king's gonna kill me. I don't wanna get in any trouble. And it's a, it's a personality where it seems like there are two kinds of people, and I'll say men since we're here. Some of you, your first instinct is foot forward. You, your tendency would be more Jezebel, control in the fight. Some of you guys, your first tendency is step backward, that's Ahab. The question is, you gotta ask the Lord, well, do you want me to go forward or backward? And sometimes the Lord says go backward and sometimes the Lord says go forward. You gotta listen to your father. And so what he does, he takes a step back and then he prays and God speaks to him. He's like, okay, then he goes and delivers the message. So he overcomes his personality. Sometimes to be an Elijah, you need to repent of your personality because Jesus is Lord, your personality is not. We take all these tests, we're like, oh, I'm a, you know, ENTJ, I'm a J-E-R-K, I'm a, you know, I'm a whatever I am, whatever my, my thing is, you know. And they're like, well, I can't do that. I'm an introvert. Well, you need to go tell them about Jesus. Get over that. You know, I don't do conflict. Well, Jesus says to go have the conflict. So your, your personality may explain you, but it doesn't define you. And, and sometimes people will use, well, I'm a shy personality, but you gotta stand up for yourself sometimes. 
You know, I'm a controlling person. Hey, you need to just calm down a little bit and trust the Lord. And so sometimes it's oppression, sometimes it's possession, sometimes it's personality. Let me just say one thing from the news this week. Does our culture still have demons working through humans to do evil? Just happened in Nashville. Just happened in Nashville. A woman who thinks she's a man, that's dysphoria, has mental health issues and that's demonic and goes into a Christian school and shoots and murders children and faculty who are completely innocent. That's demonic. That's demonic. And, and what the progressive left will do, they'll say, well, I'm sure that they're a victim. What, what, what happened to them that made them do that? Or maybe they're just evil and maybe it's demonic. And maybe they open themselves up to such demonic control that I think a 28 year old girl would say they're a boy, but that's just confusion, goes into a school and decides to shoot children, including shooting the nine year old pastor's daughter dead in her father's church. That's spiritual. People will be asking, well, what is the cause? Well, the cause may be unseen. See, as far as I can tell, Satan likes to kill and destroy. He hates life and he especially hates life in God's house. It's demonic, it's demonic. And what everyone will try and do on the progressive left is blame someone other than the individual and point to some cause that is not spiritual. And even the stupidity is, well, this, this child, uh, this person who was 28, they went to the school until they were eight. And so, you know, maybe they were poorly treated. How many of you were poorly treated in school? Amen. <laughs> and 20 years later, if you go murder children that weren't even born when you attended, that's demonic. Murder is demonic. Attacking children is demonic. Shooting people in a Christian church or school is demonic. Excusing yourself with some sort of external cause is demonic. We saw this week that a person can be so overtaken by a demon that what they do is nothing less than satanic. It's kill and destroy. In addition, what I wanna to talk to you about is uh, not just three levels of demonic influence, but three kinds of people. Um, and, and I would say this, do be praying for everyone involved. Um, and now the, the hard left will mock prayer. God will not be mocked, but God will answer prayer. I just, I just the thought of a young woman coming into a school and shooting children and, and, and those who are serving children and shooting a, a nine-year-old pastor's daughter at church. If, if you can't say that seems demonic, then you might be demonic. That's so obvious that if you can't see it, there's something profoundly broken in your soul. That being said, three kinds of people. Um, you're gonna see this in the story. Passive, like Ahab, controlling, like Jezebel, assertive, like Elijah. It's a case study in what kind of person you wanna be. 
So Ahab is passive. Some of you, your personality, your tendency, your proclivity would be passive. You're like, I'm not gonna do anything. Hopefully somebody else fixes the problem. I'm not gonna have the conversation. Hopefully it just takes care of itself, right? I'm not gonna actively pursue that. I just, I don't know what to do. Jezebel, controlling. Some of you guys, you're, you're controlling, you're domineering, you're overwhelming. If you're an Ahab, you let harm happen. If you're a Jezebel, you cause harm, okay? If you're, if you're a controlling person, you're gonna hurt your wife and kids. If you're a passive person, you're gonna let somebody else hurt your wife and kids. Pretty much all of us, we start as an Ahab or a Jezebel, controlling or passive. And the goal is to become an Elijah, to become assertive. He can lead, he can follow. He can take charge or he can follow someone else who's in charge. If there needs to be a conflict, he's not a bully looking for a fight, but he will stand his ground. When there is a hard conversation to be had, he's willing to have it. When somebody needs to have a finger in their chest and some reality poured into a tall glass for them, he's willing to do the job. That's an assertive personality. We like to call it, I like to call it being a lion and a lamb. You know when to be tough, you know when to be tender. That's an assertive personality. Elijah knows when to be a lion, he knows when to be a lamb. He goes to this widow's house and her son dies, he's a lamb. He loves her, provides for her, prays for her. God uses him to raise the son from the dead. He is a tender lamb. And then Mount Carmel, prophets of Baal, he mocks him, says, you know what? This is gonna be awesome, we'll get into it this week. He mocks him, he's like, you know what? You know why your God can't show up and make fire? Maybe he's stuck on the toilet. That's literally what he tells him. Like he's doing toilet jokes in his sermon. So like, he's my new favorite person. And, and so, but, and, and then he calls down fire from heaven. Let me say that, that's a, that's a lion. That's tough. Okay? What he doesn't do is call down fire on the widow and her son. And what he doesn't do is hug the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He's tough and he's tender. He's lion and lamb. Jesus, tough and tender, lion and lamb. That's an assertive personality, okay? So if you're a dad, with your, what should your daughter experience if you're a dad? Case study, let's have a conversation. Lion or lamb for your little girl? Lamb. lamb. A bad boy shows up and wants to take her out on a date so he can assault her, lion or lamb? Lion, okay. lion, if you're an Ahab, you'll be a lamb with the young man. And if you're a Jezebel, you'll be a, a, a lion with your daughter. You gotta get this right. That's an assertive personality. When to be tough, when to be tender, when to be active, when to be patient, when to be a lion, when to be a lamb. So the goal for all of us men is to be Elijah's. True or false, our world has way too many Ahab men, way too many Ahab men. This is our whole cultural crisis. From the White House to the outhouse, it's all Ahabs. It's all Ahabs. And then oftentimes it's women who are the Jezebels. Now, a Jezebel spirit can be a male or a female, an Ahab spirit could be a male or a female, but the way it plays out in Israel, the man is an Ahab, the woman is a Jezebel. True or false, this is still happening in our culture, okay? 
And all you've got to do is in Ahab to allow Jezebel to control and rule is just tolerate. That's why Jesus in Revelation 2 says, this I have against you, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. You need to be Elijah and not tolerate Ahab's and not tolerate Jezebel's, but invite the spirit of God. That being said, every one of us starts more Jezebel or more Ahab, the goal is to be more Elijah. That's why we're gonna pray, spend time around tables, end our time together. Some of you guys are more Ahab's, you need to get pulled to a little stronger position. Some of you are Jezebel's, you need to learn how to have compassion and empathy and care. We've all got something to learn. But in your life, true or false, how many of you men have dealt with some Ahab's? True? How many of you men, that, that was your father-in-law and you're still dealing with what happened to his daughter or your wife? How many of you, you've dealt with some Jezebels, male or female? How many of you, they're in your family and they're trying to control you and your marriage and your kids and your holidays and, and your life. You're saying, no, 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 no. Your, your dominion stops at my door. You're going to deal with these people. And when you do, you're not just dealing with people, but powers, principalities, and spirits. Or war is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. So let me just share 14 tips um, for overcoming Ahab and Jezebel's spirits. Number one, you've always got to choose the spirit over the flesh and the demonic. There are only three places that people live their life from. If you live it from the demonic, you're going to be dangerous, you're gonna be violent, you're gonna be addicted, you're gonna break people, you're gonna be a very unhealthy person that does very evil things. We've all met those guys. If you live out of the flesh, you're gonna be an idiot. Your whole life is gonna be a series of stupid, painful, self-destructive decisions. You're not gonna control your wealth, your weight. Sexually, you're gonna be a total fool, you're gonna let Jezebel's just take you to bed and you'll be like, oh, she's hot, so's hell. You know, you didn't pay attention, you got yourself in a real hot mess. Your life is gonna be a series of bad decisions. We call those boys who can shave. They're guys who are physically men, but they are responsibly children. Our whole culture is filled with those guys. And uh, you can also live by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you live by the power of the Holy Spirit, you become an Elijah. If you live by the power of the demonic, you become an Ahab or a Jezebel. The flesh is that dangerous place in the middle. Your flesh is a place where you live for pleasure and comfort and selfishness and convenience. And if you live in that place of the flesh, eventually what it does, it drags you down to the demonic. Satan and demons don't have any access or authority unless you surrender and give it. If you consistently live in the flesh, believing lies, demonic spirituality, sinful lifestyle, self-indulgence, self-destruction, um, what happens is gravity causes you to go from the flesh to the demonic. So think of it this way. Most people live in the flesh. You've only got two options, live in the spirit, and go up and become like Elijah and Jesus. Or if you live in the flesh long enough, guess what happens? You descend down into the demonic. Satan and demons are smart enough to know that if they just come to you and tell you what their end game is, you would never sign up for it. I want your health, I want your spouse, I want your marriage, I want your kids, I want your grandkids. 
I want the attorneys involved. I want 50% of everything you've ever made you know, split. And I want a pile of money you've worked for to be burned to the ground. I want you to be addicted. I want you to be obese. I want you to self-destruct. I, I want you to ruin your life. If Satan came to you and said, here's my deal for you, you'd say, no way. See, he doesn't start in the demonic, he starts in the, starts in the flesh. And if you're in the flesh long enough, eventually you end up in the demonic. Some of you guys have been there. Some of you lived in the flesh for a season and things just started getting darker and your decisions and addictions, they got deeper. And, and the Holy Spirit pulls you out. So you can't, you can't deal, you can't, you can't defeat the demonic in the demonic. And you can't defeat the demonic in the flesh. You can only defeat the demonic in the spirit. And so how many of you, when you're dealing with a Jezebel or an Ahab, they get you in the flesh. You're frustrated, you're angry. That's not Elijah, that's Italian, right? That's just, you know, you're just a little too worked up. And what'll happen is if they're in the demonic, they're gonna trigger you and wanna get you in the flesh. How many of you guys, you've dealt with somebody, they're just, they're Ahab or they're just, and they just get you and you're just frustrated. And you're like, ah, and, okay, I gotta go pray. I gotta get with the Holy Spirit. I gotta regroup because they got me in the flesh. I, I, I can only deal with them if I'm in the spirit. Okay, number two, uh, confess any sins to God that is given a foothold in your life. This will be a point that we make in a moment. But I want you to start thinking about, okay, if it is a spiritual war, where have I surrendered? What lies have I believed? What sinful choices have I made? What inner vows am I loyal to? What dumb decisions do I make? What secret sins do I nurture? As you're retreating, the enemy is advancing and you are surrendering ground that doesn't belong to him, but you're allowing him to possess it. You say this, if you are a believer, we'll talk about this in a moment, you have full authority in Christ, but you can surrender ground and authority. In the same way, how many of you guys own your house? You're the owner of your house, okay? No one has the right to move into your house. But what if you leave the door unlocked and somebody just moves in and you don't exercise your authority and evict them? They're going to live in your house. They're not the owner, but they'll move in. Demons are like that in your life. You, your body, your life, your family, it belongs to the Lord, but you have dominion and stewardship over it, just like your house. You can confess your sin, be filled with the spirit, keep the door locked, or you can open it up through living in the flesh. And suddenly you find that not only human beings, but divine beings move in and all of a sudden they don't have any right to be there, but you've allowed it and tolerated it. And so they've invaded. We're gonna talk about how to get those, those spirits evicted from your life. Uh, number three, forgive Ahab's and Jezebel's. Once you have these categories, some of you are gonna start looking at people in your life and going, that person was an Ahab and they allowed a lot of damage and harm. Some of you had a very passive dad. There was no fight in them. I'll be honest. I don't understand men without fighting them. I do not understand, okay? But there are two kinds of guys, right? When you hear an explosion, there are guys that run at it and there are guys that run from it. We just saw that in Nashville. Remember the previous school shooting? Who showed up, Ahab or Jezebel? Ahab showed up at the previous school shooting where they stood outside for a very long time, grown men with guns, tactical gear and bulletproof vests, passive. 
Well, howdy, Pastor Mark here. I hope you're enjoying this sermon. And uh, if you have prayed for or partnered with us, thank you. You're helping us reach 200 million people through Real Faith Ministries this year alone. My wife, Grace, and I, uh, we love getting Bible teaching out. And we have got a veritable mountain of free content that's all available at realfaith.com. If you're married, we got a podcast. If you've got kids, we've got parenting resources. If you're a guy trying to get better and level up, we're here to help with real men. And for those of you who pray or give or help us in any way, we just want to say thanks. It means the world. We are entirely supported uh, by our partners who give generously. And if you would like to give a gift of any amount, uh, we stretch every dollar. Uh, I'm told for every dollar you give, we're able to reach 100 people with some sort of gospel-based, Jesus-centered Bible teaching. For a gift of any amount at realfaith.com, we'll send you uh, an ebook that I'm super proud of. It's my Systematic Theology with Gary Bashirs. It's called Doctrine, subtitle, It's All About Jesus. Some years ago, I published uh, the Doctrine book, but I rewrote it. It's about 50 to 60% new. The Doctrine is the same, it's deeper, it goes more into the Holy Spirit and the demonic. And I'd love to get this massive resource into your hands. So thanks in advance for your prayer and partnership. This one, praise be to God, the cops in Nashville, were they, were they Elijah or Ahab? Elijah, because who's in the school? Jezebel. Jezebel took control of the school and as long as people were passive, was going to just kill and destroy. So you got Jezebel, literally, a woman who's a Jezebel. And then you have men who show up and they are running at the fight. Those are Elijah's. Those are Elijah's. Had they stood outside and been uncertain, they would have been Ahab's. Some of you men have had great harm come to you because of Ahab's in your life. Like, My dad should have got in the middle of that. Some of you are struggling with bitterness against your father-in-law because he was an Ahab. You're like, you, you let what happen to my wife when she was a little girl? Is there, is there no shame in you? Is there no fight in you? You can't get bitter because bitterness is a demonic foothold. And it's a way that Satan starts to move in. Bitterness is a way of leaving the door of your life open and then Satan will come in through bitterness. That's why it says in Ephesians, don't, to dig up the root of bitterness and don't give the devil a foothold. Bitterness is a foothold for the demonic. And some of you, you're gonna to have to forgive Jezebel. They were controlling, domineering, overbearing. That chick, she seduced me, but she was Medusa. You know, she was a black widow. I, I'm not a victim, but man, you're gonna to have to forgive. You don't forgive Ahab's and Jezebel's, you'll leave the door of your life open through bitterness and with bitterness comes demonic. And then it causes you to not be the best version of you. Number four, do not give in to a spirit of fear. The one thing that drives Ahab and the one thing that is a weapon that is wielded consistently by Jezebel is fear. She is controlling and threatening and domineering fear. Give me what I want or you're gonna get hurt. There's gonna be a conflict. You know, it's gonna be hell at our house tonight. You're gonna to have to deal with mama, all that kind of stuff. 
And so then Ahab, he is governed by fear. Honey, whatever you want, whatever you say, hey kids, ask your mom. Your mom's the boss. Honey, you just, honey, I don't wanna fight. You just tell me, just tell me what, what I'm supposed to say or do. You're, you're the boss, queen, you're queen. Amazing, Jezebel's a queen. You know, and, and her husband, he, he's supposed to be a king, but he's a court jester. You can't give in to fear. If you give in to fear, you'll be an Ahab. Let me say this, if you struggle with fear, Jezebel will find you. How many, how many of you have got a good hunting dog? They just pick up the scent. Jezebel, she smells fear. She'll find you. Some of you guys ask, how come I have so many Jezebels in my life? Maybe you're fearful. They can smell it. They'll find you. Don't give in to fear. What fear does, fear says, uh-oh, Satan's going to act. And faith says, yes, God is going to act. Faith and fear both look into the future. One trusts that Satan will show up. The other trusts that God will show up. Elijah doesn't struggle nearly as much with fear because he trusts God to show up. Ahab only is governed by fear because he constantly believes that Satan and evil are in his future. In addition, do not tolerate. Number five, Jesus says this in Revelation two, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Who or what are you tolerating? Let me say this, if you tolerate, they will dominate. How many of you in school? If you didn't stand up to the bully, did they eventually just stop picking on you? No, they took your lunch money, then they took your bike, and then they tried to take your sister. I mean, they just keep going. If you tolerate, they will dominate. And what some people think is, well, if I just concede a little bit, uh, then we can have a negotiation. If I give them a little money, then we'll be okay. If I give them a little power, it'll be okay. If I give them a little information, it'll be okay. If I give them a little access, it'll be okay. If I give them a little job title, it'll be okay. Or if I just wait a while, I'm sure that they're gonna get better. No. The longer you wait, the higher the price you pay. So don't tolerate. Don't tolerate. A gal at work, you're like, uh, we're never doing coffee or drinks. I'm married. No. Oh, how about never? Never. I mean, if you have to, you know, get a name tag, write Jezebel on it, put it on her desk. You know, like, no, no. Hey, when can I date your daughter? When hell freezes over, pigs fly, and I'm dead. Okay? No. No, you can't date my daughter. No. No, you can't move into my house. No, you cannot come over for Christmas. No, you cannot come over for Thanksgiving. You can't. And I'm gonna have a huge knife and I'll be on one for the turkey, one for you. Like, I'm, I'm, no, this is not happening. One of the most powerful things you can learn to do as a man. No. Amen. Then they're gonna talk. And then you say, let's just practice it. One, two, three. No. It's really powerful. And then, how about, how about, no, 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 no. You can rap it, you can sing it, what, I don't care. But you gotta say it. No, no. How many of you, you the Holy Spirit convict, you're like, I hmm, didn't say anything. How many people are there in your life, they're like Jezebel. And if you don't say no, they hear yes. 
couple of guys just like, man, my ex-wife's got to hear this. Okay, so um, <laughs> these are the people that come up like, I want this and I want that. And here's what I think. And here's what I say. If you don't say anything, what do they hear? Yes. Because if you tolerate, they will dominate. If you don't say no, they'll hear yes. So guess what you got to do? No. Don't need to be mean. Don't need to be rude. But you need to be firm and you need to be consistent. Um, how about this one? Confront. Um, how, over and over and over in the story, there's only one person that confronts Jezebel and Ahab. Who's that? It's Elijah, every time. Like, ding dong, Elijah's here. Ah! <laughs> it's just every time it's, it's like, hey, this is wrong. Hey, I disagree. Hey, the Lord says, hey, he confronts them. And here's the big idea. Don't take it personal and don't make it personal. They have a problem with the Lord. And Elijah is just telling them that the Lord has a problem with them. Like, okay, what, what you're doing is evil and God says no. Okay, there you go. I, I told you what God said, that's it. Sometimes, because here's what again happens with people who are Jezebel or Ahab. If you don't say anything, they assume they're doing great. How many of you have an employee you never gave them a performance review and then you fired them. And they were like, what? I had no idea. I thought I was doing a great job. Like you're hung over at home and I have a company that you don't come to. So you don't work here anymore. You should have seen this coming. But if you don't confront it, they don't see it. These are people that don't do well with reality. And so you need to bring them to reality. You gotta confront it. You can't do that. You can't say that to my wife. You can't flirt with my wife. You can't, you can't do that. You can't just show up at our house. You can't ask us for money again. No, we're done. I, I love you, I'll pray for you, but no. And I, I need to confront that. You can't do that again. You cannot say that. I don't care if you have our last name. It's wrong. I don't care if you're gonna cut us out of the will. It's wrong. I don't care if you're gonna freak out. It's wrong. I don't care if you're gonna post it on the internet where all the other Jezebels are. I need to tell you what's true and what's right. And your response is between you and God. It's not between me and you. In addition to confront, speak the truth in love. And Jesus tells us to speak the truth in love. We're speaking the truth in love. So does, does Elijah hate Jezebel and Ahab? No, but he hates the demonic spirits that they've welcomed into their life. It's, it's closing churches, it's killing Bible teachers, it's bringing in idolatry and the judgment of God. It's ruining the economy with a, a season of total drought. But at the end of the day, he speaks the truth, but he, he's not. What's amazing about Elijah, when he confronts them and he speaks the truth, is he giving them an oppor opportunity to own it and repent? That's what's crazy. Like the patience of God. So we looked in 1 Kings 16, five generations of this family, totally demonic and evil, gets worse every time. And then it says Ahab, he's the worst of all. And then he's king for 21 years after five generations. And then God's like, all right, Elijah, go confront him, speak the truth in love. Elijah shows up, says, okay, here's the deal. God's really upset. You got three and a half years to say you're sorry. I would, have been, I would have started with the fire from heaven. That's where I would have started. <laughs> and what this is, is this is very loving. 
It's patience. It's not tolerance, it's patience. To give you an opportunity to repent, turn to the Lord, have your sin forgiven, you know, become a Christian to use our language, but he never does. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. What's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? A peacemaker will do anything to make peace. And a peacekeeper will have a war to get to peace. Don't be a peacemaker. Don't make them upset. Don't make them mad. Don't disagree. Don't tell them no. Don't, 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 no, don't. No, we don't like conflict. Don't do that. Now that's a peacemaker. A peacemaker is an Ahab. There's no fight in them. A peacekeeper is, I don't want to fight, but if you want to fight, we'll have the fight. And we'll have peace after the fight. So Jesus, is he a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? He's a peacekeeper. When he comes back, how does he get, he is the Prince of Peace, right? So how does Jesus in the end get peace? He slaughters all of his enemies. I know that's not super popular and I'm probably not on the internet anymore. I just got banned. Uh, and I'm not saying slaughter your enemies, but I am saying this, that sometimes you need to have some conflict to get to peace. Because if they're giving you hell and you take it, you don't have peace. If you have the conflict, you say, you know what? Hey, if we're gonna do business together, here's the terms. Or you know what? We're not doing business anymore. I'm out. Hey, if you wanna go to counseling, sweetheart, we can work this through. If not, I, I can't tolerate this behavior anymore. And you can't do that to the kids. Can't do that. Babe, you can't just scream and yell every time I say no. I love you. I'm not trying to be domineering and overbearing, but you're not very healthy. And uh, just because you're emotional doesn't mean you get to be the queen. Is this resonating with anyone? Okay. Um, and so a lot of guys are like, why did I come? <laughs> because you need to be here. And so sometimes you need to have a little conflict to get to peace. And if you don't have any conflict, you never get peace. Uh, and let me say this too, here's another one, number 10. Always have a witness. How many of you have tried to talk to Ahab or a Jezebel, you did it privately, and then you walked out of the meeting and what they told everybody was not what happened. You're like, that's not what happened. But if you don't have a witness, they will control the narrative and they'll lie. Okay, so be very careful if you're gonna confront someone that you write down what you wanna say, that you're in the spirit, you're being an Elijah, you're prayed up, you're hoping that they come to repentance. And at the end of the day, you bring a witness because you don't trust them to then come out and tell the story the way that it was, okay? How many of you have had a conversation with somebody and their version was not what happened? Okay. So you gotta bring a witness if you're gonna have these conversations. Um, I learned this the hard way as a brand new young pastor. I'll tell you a story, it comes to mind. A uh, woman in the church, I was in my 20s, senior pastor, very young. I don't even know if we had kids yet. Pastor Mark, my husband, he grabbed me by the wrist and he held me and he, he forcibly restrained me and I felt very unsafe. And I know you love women and children and I need you to confront my husband. So I tapped the red ass, get my cape, you know, I'm gonna take care of and so, um, so I sit down with him and he's got this huge gash in his head, <laughs> okay? And I was like, did you restrain your wife? He's like, yeah, I grabbed her by the wrist. He said, did she tell you why? I was like, no. He said, she took the dinner plate and hit me right here and split me open in my head. I was like, oh, that's a variable. Um, 
He said, <laughs> that, is, that does factor in. Uh, he said, then she grabbed the steak knife, so I grabbed her wrist. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you were trying to film a horror movie with your husband as the victim. And at this point, true or false, the plate to the head and the raised knife are variables that should have been added to the story. Okay. So I looked at her, I was like, is that what happened? She's like, yeah, kinda. I was like, it's like being pregnant. There's no kinda, like, it's yes or no. I said, you didn't, she said, yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I'm sure you're like, ow, oh, the murder, I forgot that part. And so, you know, <laughs> It's just amazing if, if you don't have somebody there, what the story can be. Couple others, uh, always maintain clear boundaries. And a boundary is this, that's you, that's me. That's your house, this is my house. That's your money, this is my money. That's my spouse, that's your spouse. That's my kids, those are your kids. That's my vacation, that's your vacation. That's my Christmas, that's your Christmas. You are not me and you do not control me. Now, if you wanna do something together, let's talk about that. You wanna do business together? Great, let's talk about that. You wanna do the holidays together? Let's talk about that. You wanna be the grandparent who's involved with the grandkids' life? Great, let's talk about that. But if we're going to come together, we need to agree on that. You can't just rule and dominate and control. There's boundaries. Um, sometimes in an extended family, if you succeed and there are others who are foolish or struggling, they think that what you make, they made it too. You make money, they're like, hey, you're doing great. So yeah, we need some money. You're like, that, this is my account, that's your account. Yeah, I lost my job, I need to come live with you. No, no, this is my house, not your house. Boundaries. Boundaries is differentiation. Unhealthy people don't have boundaries. And so what Elijah does, Elijah shows up at the house of Jezebel and Ahab, but at any point does he partner with them? He doesn't have a meal with them. He doesn't go into business with them. He doesn't take a tithe check from them. You have your thing, I have my thing. I'm not hanging out with you and you're not hanging out with me. You got the way you do life, I got the way I do life, clear boundary, clear boundary. Last couple, uh, be willing to separate. If you're willing to have the conflict, have the disagreement, be willing to separate. Meaning, if you, let's say your dad is, let's say your dad's, I know this never happens, but hypothetically your dad's an Ahab and your mom's a Jezebel. Just throwing it out there. Uh, not none of you guys, but there's probably some guy on the internet like, that sounds familiar. Okay, for that guy. Your dad's passive, your mom's controlling. Your mom's loud, domineering, overbearing, maybe unhealthy, highly emotional, you know, and you're, and you're like, dad, could you help me? I was like, uh, I don't do it. Good luck, son, you know. Um, and he, you got, so you've got this kind of situation. You're like, dad, I need to, I need to go have a conversation with mom because this just isn't working. I love mom, but I, I just can't, I, I can't do it anymore. And, and what she's doing to my wife and what she's doing to my kids, like, I, I just can't do it anymore. Well, if you, if you tell her no, then she, she's gonna cut you off. And the answer is, well, that's her choice. I love her. I, let me say this, man. There are three kinds of relationships. You ready? Write this down. There are three kinds of relationships. Write this down. Healthy, unhealthy, no relationship. Okay? 
If somebody won't do healthy, they only give you two choices. Unhealthy relationship or no relationship. And you've got to decide, this is so unhealthy, I can't do it anymore. Or maybe I could do it, but now I got kids. And when the kids see this, like, I, no, that's not, no, we're not doing this. We're not taking this family dysfunction and making it a generational curse. You know, mom screams at dad and I say, mom, please don't do that. Then mom screams at me. Then the kids are crying. Then mom screams at the kids. Like, we're not doing this. It's willing to separate. And it's not, it's not abandoning someone. It's saying, I would like to have, what kind of relationship? A healthy relationship. So I can't have a healthy relationship with an Ahab. I can't have a healthy relationship with a Jezebel. I would like to be Elijah. I would like you to be Elijah. We can have a spirit-filled, healthy, assertive relationship. But you gotta be willing to separate. And if it is, I will not lose the relationship, then what you're doing, you're surrendering all the terms and you're letting them control all the terms of the relationship. And once you're married and once you have kids, that Jezebel spirit wants to rule and reign for generations. Generations. Last few. Uh, expect seduction, emotional manipulation, and attack in response, especially when you're dealing with a Jezebel. If you're dealing with a, a Jezebel, they'll try and seduce you, flirt with you, compliment you, flatter you, sleep with you, be your work spouse emotionally available. If that doesn't work, um, then the next tactic will be emotional manipulation. That's not loving, I thought you were a Christian, you heard my, or lots of volume, lots of emotion, lots of drama. Lot, and, and most men, dr drama is kryptonite for most men. Okay, remember Superman, when he get around kryptonite, he's like, ah, ah, ah. If you have, especially a Jezebelian woman, and she's highly emotional, like drama, volume, tears, things are getting thrown. You know, ancestors are being summoned. You know, the internet is now being invited. You're like, ah! You're like, it's just control. If I can't seduce you, I can manipulate you. It's just all control. And if that doesn't work, then it's just attack. You're mean, you're da, 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 da. And here's the favorite one of the religious Jezebels. The religious Jezebels, if you say no to them or confront them, they will accuse you of being a Jezebel. <laughs> That's slick. It's slick. They'll weaponize even the word of God on you. It's all manipulation control. Last few, I'm over time. Be patient to see if there's any real change or just fakery. If somebody's an Ahab or they're a Jezebel, and they say, okay, I, I'm wrong, I wanna change. Great, I hope that, but let me, let me see. Because sometimes an Ahab will be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't say or do anything. Okay, great, but are you gonna become an Elijah? Or sometimes a Jezebel will be like, um, they were controlling and then, yeah, I was controlling, but they're not apologizing, they're just stating facts. And you think that they were apologizing. And then they keep controlling. Just see, like, is there any, we're not looking for perfection, but we're just looking for progress. Right? Is anything changing here? And then lastly, if it's a close family member, seek professional help. Okay. Deep breath, got really cold in the room. Did somebody turn on the AC?
What if this is your wife? Like, let's say she's a Jesuit. You're like, she's just not well. Like, she is, she is just not well. Like, heaven forbid you tell that woman no. Or tell her she's wrong. Or she's not in charge. Or people don't obey her. I mean, how many of you have heard of this woman? I, get, I don't prep these sermons. I verbal process. So um, how many of you have heard of this kind of woman? She who must be obeyed. Okay, um, you may need to get some professional help. And oftentimes the reason, um, I'll just tell you what I'm thinking in the spirit. You can tell me if it's from the spirit. Oftentimes the reason that even a man who's an Elijah with a lot of people is an Ahab with his wife is because he knows of her brokenness and her trauma and her hurt and he loves her and she's been through a lot and she's not doing that great. Um, and so he tolerates her. And in tolerating her, hear me in this, he's not helping her and he's not loving her. He's not helping her and he's not loving her. Um, he's enduring her and he's tolerating her. And I believe um, didn't know I'd end up here, but let me just verbal process with you. You're like, my wife has trauma. My wife was abused. My wife was assaulted. My wife came from a horrible background. My wife has been through hell and I really do love her. And I know she's not doing that great, um, but I'm gonna tolerate and I'm gonna be passive and I'm gonna let her be the way she is. Now, I'm not like that with everybody, but I am with her. And the answer is, no, she needs an Elijah. She needs an Elijah. Not a bully, not a domineering, overbearing, chauvinistic husband, not a misogynist, not a, not a heavy-handed man, but she needs an Elijah. Because she's broken. And she needs some healing. She needs to get healthy. And if you allow her to continue, um, you are not going to enjoy your marriage and you're not going to enjoy your home and you're not going to enjoy your vacation. So you're probably gonna work a lot and you're probably gonna pick up a lot of hobbies and you're probably gonna avoid her because she's like a grenade with a pin pulled and you don't know what to do with her. That's why some guys just work. Like, I don't wanna go home. That's not a place I like to be. If that is the case, what she really needs is an Elijah, not an Ahab. Now, if you try and let's say she's Jezebel, if you try to Jezebel her, how does that go? This is a knife fight. <laughs> You're like, she's in control now, I'm in control now. I, I mean, this just, this becomes a brutal marriage. Two people just trying to dominate each other, brutal, okay? If you go Ahab on her, uh, she's gonna, she's gonna win, you're gonna lose, but she's not winning, you're both losing. And then your children lose and then your grandchildren lose. 
And eventually you are just Ahabbing your whole freaking family for generations. Please be nice, don't say anything. Come on, Ahab, Ahab, Ahab. I need everybody to be Ahab. And eventually it doesn't work. It only works if there's Elijah. It only works for generations if there's Elijah. It only works to enjoy your marriage and enjoy your kids and enjoy your grandkids if there's an Elijah. I love you guys with all my heart. I believe that soft words produce hard men. I believe that hard words produce soft men. I know these are hard words. They, they come out of love and a father's heart. But you've gotta, you need to be tender to the things of the Lord. And you gotta ask yourself, am I doing all I can if I'm dealing with a Jezebel to bring about the best version of them or no longer tolerating them and getting some distance from them until they choose to have a healthy relationship. I have more points and prayers and lots of things. I think I'm gonna leave it right there. How's that? Hey, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? God is a father, he speaks to his sons. What is he saying to you? Are you an Ahab? Are you an Elijah? Are you a Jezebel? If you're married, is your wife an Ahab, an Elijah, Elijah or a Jezebel? Parents, were they Ahab's, Elijah's, Jezebel's? What are we dealing with? And what does it look like for you to be Elijah? Okay. Father, I thank you for the spirit of Elijah that is the Holy Spirit. God, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. God, some of this is generational. Some of us were raised in families where mom or dad was just Jezebel. It was just domination. And the goal was to see which one would then rise up and be the next Jezebel. And every generation's had some domineering, overbearing, um, controlling person. But for some of us, it's been generations of Ahabs, passive, tolerant, silent, not really enjoying life, but not doing anything to change it. Seeing harm come to those that we love and are supposed to protect. Lord, I pray against the spirit of Ahab. I pray against the spirit of Jezebel and I pray for the spirit of Elijah. I pray for the Holy Spirit to give us assertiveness, to give us courage, to give us truthfulness, to give us love, to give us patience, to give us forthrightness. Lord God, we confess that our world is primarily run by men who are Ahab. And that means really it's controlled by women who are Jezebel. And Lord, we ask for the grace to be filled with the Spirit and to be like Elijah. God, I pray for those men that as they hear this, um, they have some things to apologize to their children for because they've been Ahab. They need to apologize to their wife because there's been times that they've been Ahab. God, I pray for those men that have to go home and really own it with their wife and their kids that there's times that they've been controlling like Jezebel. And Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us each to become like Elijah, who ultimately is like Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Love you guys with all my heart. Thanks for letting me teach. Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for this special series of talks at Real Men. Uh, if there's anything we could be praying for, any questions you have, send it to hello at realfaith.com. And if you've got a complaint because you're triggered and offended, please send that as well to hello at realfaith.com. We have got a team standing by to delete your comment immediately.